You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Santa Barbara, California, Montecito, California to be specific. Montecito is just a uh, unincorporated part of Santa Barbara, but we uh, in Montecito make it clear that we are separate from uh, Santa Barbara. And um, I don't know why, but that's what we do. It does. If you come here and you visit here, you can tell a difference. There's a very different sort of, uh, it just even looks like a different place. Santa Barbara is a little bit more deserty. It's a little bit more dry, whereas I think Montecito is a little bit more lush and green. Now, both places are ultimately just deserts, but one I think has been converted a little bit more than the other. Anyway, a little tidbit for you in case you're headed to Southern California and want to stop by and say hello. Before we get on with today's show, I do want to remind you that there is a website associated with this podcast. It's wealthformula.com. Lots of reasons to go to that site, including a bunch of free stuff, free uh, webinars, free books. Get on our lists. You could get on our accredited investor list uh, so that... uh, If you want to potentially participate in things rather than just learn about them, that would be a good place to go. If you are an accredited investor, that is, and you would go through an onboarding process. You can also consider joining the Wealth Formula Network, which is our community, our online community. And that's where you go. You know, a lot of people really enjoy that community because it gives you an opportunity to talk about this kind of stuff at a very granular level with others who are interested Starts out with a course that we we did a few years ago with uh, a lot of smart people like Kenny McElroy and Tom Wheelwright, who's our guest today. Anyway, if you want to check that out, uh, go to wealthformularoadmap.com and uh, we'd love to have you. So as far as today's show goes, we're going to talk, well, we're going to talk about taxes, which I got to tell you, it's like, man, uh, we talk a lot about taxes on this show and I always have to tell everybody I'm not a CPA, but... Taxes are important. Taxes are very important to think about when you're investing because people like to talk about how much their investments are yielding, but how much of it do you actually get to keep, right? So if you're doing something that is tax advantaged and tax free, like say it's cash flow from real estate that's tax free and you get 8% on that, well, that's 8%. What if you get you know 10% that's taxed at ordinary income? Well, that's actually closer to probably 5 or 6% what you actually get to keep. So which one would you rather have? So that's why we think it's really important to consider the tax implications of investing. Now, the U.S. tax code, as it turns out, is thousands of pages long. And I'm not going to pretend that I've actually read it. I have not. I mostly get it translated to me vis-a-vis people like Tom Wheelwright. Now, what could possibly need thousands of pages to describe when it comes to a tax code? Well, as I understand it, only a very small fraction of the pages are actually devoted to telling you how much tax you got to pay. Like you make this much money, you got to pay this much tax, that kind of thing. The majority of the tax code provides for ways you can potentially pay less tax. You see, as my friend Tom, who's on a show today, is going to tell us the tax code's nothing more than a series of incentives. It's intended to direct your behavior and your investments. So case in point, okay, for years now, for years, drilling for oil and gas on U.S. shores has been a major initiative of the U.S. government. Why? Well, 
We wanted to be independent from a bunch of Middle Eastern countries who many of them don't really like us much, right? So makes sense to become energy independent, become oil independent. And as it turns out, reflective of that goal, investments in oil and gas uh, drilling operations have been, during this time, extremely advantageous to investors in terms of tax mitigation. Many of you know that, have taken advantage of it. In fact, for the last several years, up to 100% of oil and gas drilling investments have been deductible for investors. And again, I'm not a CPA. I'm just an investor telling you what I have witnessed, and you may have uh, witnessed this as well. Well, as it turns out, the U.S. became a net exporter of petroleum in September of 2019, which is great because it means we met our goal that we set out for, which was to be oil independent. So that was good. And then we had the Biden administration taking over in 2021. And so you put those together, the Biden administration having a very clear green energy initiative at the top of its agenda. And and well, let's think of it this way. Now, if it's true that the tax code is a series of incentives and knowing that we've met our goals for you know oil production and now we want to turn towards green energy, what kind of legislation do you think reflects the current administration's values, right? I mean, none of this is surprising. So you might expect an end to all those tax benefits for oil and gas and that they would be replaced or, you know, de-emphasized compared to those things that are producing green energy. Well, as it turns out, that is one of the things that's on the table right now, along with a series of other tax code changes that reflect the Biden administration's values. So, sure, listen, we can complain about it. I certainly don't like a number of proposals that we are seeing, especially gosh, the massive increase in long-term capital gains. But our job as investors is to continue understanding what the government wants us to do and potentially to do it. Because, you know, and I'm not talking about being uh, patriotic here. What I'm saying is that if you want to pay less taxes, you're generally going to do what the government wants you to do, that they're going to dictate that through legislation. So the thing to remember as you listen to this podcast that none of the legislation that we're going to talk about is law as of yet. So, you know, it's not quite time to panic. Hopefully some of these things will either not happen or will find a happy medium. However, it is time to understand which way things are going, which I think is pretty clear, and start preparing yourself for that. So that's what we're going to do this week as we talk about some of the new legislation that is now on the table with my CPA and superstar tax advisor, Tom Wheelwright, when we come back. Welcome back to the show, everyone hope you are having a good week here and uh, we're going to talk about something that hopefully makes your week better but could make it worse. I'm just warning you. We've got, we're going to talk taxes today and uh, when we talk taxes, we always talk taxes with what I consider the Michael Jordan of taxes himself, Tom Wheelwright. Tom, of course, is the founder of WealthAbility. He is an author of Tax-Free Wealth, and there's two editions to that, by the way. So if you haven't read the second edition, you may want to catch that. And he is Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad Advisor on Taxes. So not a better guy to get information on taxes, and it sounds like 
the timing on this was perfect. So Tom, welcome back to Wealth Formula Podcast. Hey, always good to be here, Buck. I love your students and love what you're doing. Thank you. Well, listen, so we literally, like you just said, they just came up with some new stuff here. And you said it just came out like an hour ago. You were able to read up on it. What'd you find? So uh, we have what's called the Green Book. And we didn't get this under the Trump administration, but the Green Book basically, okay, so when there's a proposal, when there's a tax proposal, what the Green Book does is it explains the proposal and explains the cost or the benefit tax-wise of the proposal. And even to the point of when they expect the um, effective date to be. And that actually was what was most interesting to me because we've heard about a lot of these proposals, Buck, but we don't know what the effective date is. Is there yeah. any planning we can do? And actually there's some good news on effective dates or bad news on one effective date, um, but good news on the rest. So that's, we, we actually know a lot more than we would normally know. And we know a lot about when the administration wants it to happen, if it gets enacted, right? Remember, this is an administration proposal. It is not a legislative proposal and Congress has to get together to decide what they do on this. So this was just released and this is basically what we're talking about is the Biden plan, right? That's right. And so why don't we, why don't we kind of start with some of uh, the things in there that you think are most significant to investors like us? Well, Obviously, there's the 1031 exchanges. Uh-huh. Uh, there's carried interest, which I know is very important to yeah. uh, you and your group. Yeah. And there's um, capital gains. Okay. So, you know, those, those are, I think, the three big ones. Uh, yes, they're talking about raising the rates. Um, there are some other actually very significant proposals in there. And there are some very significant incentives. So also. let's let's okay. talk about the 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 stuff. Uh, obviously, ten thirty one exchange is very useful stuff for real estate investors for forever, right? I mean, the the right. tr you know the Trumps and all his real estate families have relied on this for years De and years decades. and years, decades. Yeah, decades. So so is it coming under attack again? For sure, um, under the Biden proposal, beginning next year, twenty twenty two, ten thirty one exchanges would not be allowed. So uh, you would no longer have a tax-free exchange of real estate. Um, the, that doesn't mean you wouldn't have a tax-free exchange of business. You just don't have a tax-free exchange of real estate. Interesting. So that distinction is because the 1031 exchange is a like-kind exchange. So what, what they're saying is, okay, fine, you can do it with businesses, but you can't do it with real estate. That's what you're saying? Right, because 1031 applies to real estate. And uh, there's a different code, Section 368, that applies to business. So business, you can do it, but you will not be able to do it with real estate. Yeah, Tom, you've mentioned that over the years, 1031 exchanges have sort of come under attack. This is not the first time. No, uh, actually, the, uh, the, the last time they were under attack was by the Trump administration. So Trump significantly reduced 1031 exchanges. He eliminated personal property. So the farmers and the ranchers really felt the effects of the Trump change, which you could no longer, for example, exchange a steer for a steer or a cow for a cow, okay, or a horse for a horse. Under the Trump administration, they got rid of all of that, and all you could exchange is real estate. <laughs> well, I wonder why. Well, uh, shocking. Yeah, interesting. Well, okay, all right. So, so what is the likelihood in your mind 
of this? Mm-hmm. Because you, you've mentioned in the past there's been, you know, mm-hmm. some talk about elimination of 1031 exchanges. It's never happened. What what are the what are the issues here that you think are going to come up that could you know make this not happen? Well, here, here's the thing. You know, you keep hearing this. Uh, you know, Joe Biden keeps talking about how he's pro small business, which is basically anytime you hear a government official saying they're pro something, they're really anti that, right? So this is an attack. One of the attacks on small business. Re- remember, the big guys don't use 1031 exchanges. Sure. They don't do it. They've got multiple investors. They're never going to do a 1031 exchange. Who this hurts is the mom and pop pharmacy owner mm-hmm. who owns the real estate. Right. Right. And they want to do a 1031 exchange into, say, a Walgreens for their retirement. Right. It, it's going to hurt uh, the, the, the person who owns duplexes and single family homes and things like that. It's not going to affect the syndicator. Syndicators never use a 1031 yep. exchange. Yep. So um, it really does hurt the little guy, which is why it's surprising to even be in there. Right. Um, it doesn't raise a whole lot of revenue. And uh, I, I, I'm just not sure what the reason is, except it's all part of this capital gains idea that even unrealized capital gains should be taxed. And that's really the, I I think that's what this 1031 is about is the capital gains issue. Sure. Okay. So let's talk about capital gains. What are the uh, potential, you know, what's the legislation there? This is the interesting one because uh, the idea is to tax capital gains at ordinary income rates to subject all capital gains to the net investment income tax. So now instead of capital gains being taxed at 20%, let's say you're a, you're a real estate professional, you're involved in your business. Um, right now, your highest rate is 20%. Uh, now your rate would be 43.4% wow. would be wow. your tax rate. Okay. So it's more than doubling the tax on all capital gains, including businesses, including, and interestingly enough, even on gifts, there would even be a capital gain on a gift. Wow. Um, so, it, and this, by the way, the capital gains uh, proposal on selling a property or selling a stock is effective as of today. Oh, that's wow. the effective date is today, the date of announcement. Really? So, so, so that's, that's for word, the stock. Is that also for the, the 1031s? No, 1031s next year for capital gains this next year. year. Okay. Right. But if you sold a property this year, yeah. okay, and you didn't do a 1031, you'd be subject to that 43% tax. So what we could see as a result of this, if it were to happen, is a lot of people selling property to try to get we into- it, it would accelerate yeah. um, the selling of property and everybody, everybody would do a 1031 exchange. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then the last thing you mentioned on this end was the carried interest. So carried interest doesn't apply to as many people, uh, does apply to syndicators, uh, which is basically the, you know, the waterfall, the capital gains on waterfalls. What, what, what's the news there? There's an interesting, so again, I read through this really quick, Buck. There's an interesting minor point in there that it might not apply to real estate. Okay. You know, it doesn't right now, the the three-year rule doesn't apply to real estate, right? Mm -hmm. They specifically pulled it out. Now, the interesting thing is in the proposal, it says it applies to real estate, but then there's this little line in there that suggests that, well, maybe it won't. So it'll be interesting to see whether it applies to syndicators or not. 
I think we still have to wait for the legislation on that one, uh, whether it applies to syndicators. It would definitely apply to all the hedge funds and all of those guys. But, but the legislation relates to th- a three-year hold. Is that right? No, no. That's the old legislation was a three-year hold. This would make it all ordinary income. All ordinary income. So basically, all you're almost income. just eliminating long-term capital gains. That's the idea. The idea on all of this proposal is to eliminate long-term capital gains, um, any kind of preferential treatment of capital gains, which is um, really completely contrary to what all the, say, uh, the businesses would all, and all the proponents of businesses, chambers of commerce and everything would say your ideal capital gains rate is zero. Yeah. And uh, this is just the opposite. So before everybody panics, uh, I mm. want to remind and, and get your thoughts on this too, Tom. We have a split split Congress, right? Uh, especially that guy from West Virginia. What's his name? Um, Manchin. Manchin, Manchin. Pretty much controls everything that happens. Uh, uh, you know what? We, we, we've got a couple of good Democrats. Uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema in uh-huh. um, uh, out of Arizona, my state. Uh, Joe Manchin. There's a there's some of those like Central California where there are a lot of farms. There are some. Uh, definite Democrats in kind of family farm, family business type areas that are pushing back. So I don't think for sure this happens. In fact, I, I, I think it's really the worst policy move as much as I don't like a lot of the policy going on right now. It would be the worst tax policy move in a century yeah. in the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, taxing people's investments and, uh, you know, just the incredible burden that puts on people, you know, and their savings and their investments. Well, let me give you an example. Let's say that you were an employee and you funded your 401k religiously every year. You maxed out. Mm -hmm. And let's say by the time you're 65, you've got $2 million in that 401k, right? What you're able to do is you're able to take that out a little bit at a time and get that into a lower tax bracket. So let's say two, $300,000 a year at a time, right? Now let's say instead that all of your investments in your business, because that's how business owners are, right? We put all of our money into our business yep. and that's our retirement. So the day we retire as a business owner, a hundred percent of our savings are taxed because the way we retire is to sell our business. So 100% of that is taxed and it's not taxed over a period of time. It's taxed at the highest possible rate, 43%. Mm-hmm. So it's, it'd be very similar as if that 401k when you turn 65 is all taxed as a lump sum distribution on that date at the highest tax rate. That's what we're talking about. Right. Again, the good news before everybody goes on and jumps off a cliff is that this is legislation. And in many ways, it's a starting point, right? So they're going to want to probably Correct. be a little bit more extreme in what they're asking for in order to, you know, work they something. Always do. Yeah. So hopefully this isn't happen. Okay. So is that for the most part, the major potential bad news or is there more bad news? Uh, no, there's actually more. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, there's more. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's talk about the more then. So, so let's talk about some more. Okay. So one is that, uh, is the elimination of the deductions for oil and gas drilling. Okay. So oh no boy. more intangible drilling costs, um, no more depletion, none of the tax preferences for oil and gas that then now that's been proposed. That was proposed every year in Obama's budget. Never went mm-hmm. through this year. We'll see. 
When would that be effective, Tom? That is effective also next year. So 2022. So again, lots of potential oil and gas this year. Lots of potential investment in oil and gas this year. And then um, next year it would just tank. I mean, you, you basically, you're, you're basically now outsourcing all oil and gas development, either to the big companies or to, you know, China, Africa, and Russia. Hmm. How about depreciation issues, bonus depreciation, that kind of thing? You know what? Not being touched. Uh, So two interesting points here, Buck. One is bonus depreciation seems to be in violet. I don't know why. And second of all, no discussion about the 20% qualified business income deduction going away. Interesting. So both of those, neither one of those is in this proposal. But that bonus I see. expires next year anyway, right? No, it starts phasing down next year. So uh-huh. it doesn't expire. It actually starts going from 100% to 80% okay. and, and starts phasing down until it gets to 50%, but it never really goes away. So it's, it's really not that it goes away. It's just going to start phasing down. Okay. Well, I guess that's, that's good news in some respects in that, you know, part of, I think a lot of people were worried about was that, you know, some legislation would come out and eliminate it. And the next thing you know, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to use it potentially on ongoing projects this year. So, so that's, can I give you one more surprise that I think people weren't expecting? So again, don't jump off the cliff. This Uh isn't like Buck says, this is, it hasn't passed. It's proposed and it's not even proposed by the legislature. It's proposed by the president. Okay. And it's, it's social security taxes on pass through businesses. And the proposal is, is that above $400,000 you're going to get social security taxes on all income including net investment income tax. You're going to get social security taxes on all income from an S corporation, from a partnership, from anything that passes through that's not a dividend interest or capital gain. Mm, Lovely. Well, luckily I'm on the first floor here and (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that buck because let me tell you i mean it, you, you read this stuff you go if this if, if this were for sure to happen people would go oh my heavens what am i going to do but the good news is there are actually some amazing tax incentives in this okay bill. all right well let's let's move on to that because it seems to me that we need to uh we need to at least see the bright side of we, things. we need to lift the mood here a yeah, little yeah. bit but right so the, the the first is the uh, low-income housing credit is being expanded okay so for real estate developers that's really good news and there's also an ex- a, a benefit for um there's a tax credit for fixing up uh homes uh, duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes in rundown neighborhoods. Um, that'll be a little bit like an enterprise zone classification, and you'll get a credit for going in and doing the rehab in uh, lower income areas. So that's kind of a cool idea, frankly. Okay. I kind of like that one. Sure, sure. Um, uh, so the low income housing is certainly a priority, clearly, of uh, this yeah. administration. Um, and another one is, of course, we've heard a lot about the energy credits. Yeah. And uh, basically the proposal, and again, these are all effective 2022. Um, the proposal is that charging stations would no longer have the $30,000 limit. They'd have a $200,000 limit. And uh, so that's a huge so increase. Wait, ch- ch- tell us a little bit about that. I don't know anything about charging stations. So, but, so 
Um, you put in a charging station, there's a there's an investment tax credit for that. It's been limited to $30,000 per location. And uh, that limit, at least in a quick review of it, is going up to $200,000. So what that means is you own a service station, okay, you own a convenience store, and you put in charging stations, you're going to get massive tax credits for putting in those charging stations. Okay, and some of the states, by the way, are adding their own credits. Uh, Oklahoma, I don't know if it's still there, but they had a credit of 75% for putting in charging stations. So they've got a whole bunch of charging stations gone in in Oklahoma. So there are some very serious tax credits on on that, on the charging station. There's tax credits on um, heavy vehicles. So like big trucks and uh, semis. They're going to, uh, if, if it's an electric, um, this is going to make Elon Musk even richer. Um, and then there's uh, the solar energy credit, which has kind of been coming down and it's a 26% this year. Next year we'd go back up to 30%. So, um, and that's a, that's a huge credit. And there's a bunch of other credits. Interestingly enough. So this one might surprise you. There are actually tax credits in there for existing nuclear facilities. So they're, they're, I was wondering about this. I actually did a podcast yesterday on this. I was wondering, will they include nuclear fuel in clean energy? And uh-huh. it looks like they are. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. But there's lots of opportunities, but it, I mean, you know, the opportunity, it's just, you just have to shift your focus about where you're going. It's, that's it's all. an enormous seismic change, it is. Uh, it is. which makes it really hard. Where do you think that uh, when when you look at this, uh, you know many of your clients and and wealth ability clients, they're they're people who are listening to this podcast. And when you hear about the way things are going, what kind of advice are you giving them? I mean, I'm I'm even thinking about it right now. Like so many of these potential opportunities, really seem like okay, yeah, that sounds interesting, but boy, I mean, where do I even start with that? I mean. I'm going to go buy a service station and put in a, you know, a charging station. I mean, so where do you think the best potential opportunities for passive investors in all of this might be? Uh, I actually think the idea of the service station is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, solar generally is a big one. Uh, any kind of renewable energy is going to be a big one. And, and really, when you think about it, it's a real estate deal right? I mean, that's what it is fundamentally. Um, I could see uh, going in, doing a service station, putting charging stations and putting on solar panels on all the flat roofs that you've got there, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's, uh, you've got this big solar tax benefits. I think that we're going to see more lending on this because of, you know, this whole emphasis from the administration. So I think it's going to, I think your your loans, your loan to value on these properties is going to go up, which of course increases the tax benefit as well. So I, I, I do think that that's kind of the direction that you got to be thinking. You've yeah. got to be thinking about clean energy and investing somehow in that clean energy movement or low income housing. I think low income housing, of course, it's always been a good one. And uh, I think it's, uh, you know, there's obviously a push to make that low income housing better. So I think that's it. And the other thing to do is remember that except for the capital gains, on actually selling things this year, except for that, all of these proposals are next year. That's actually really good news, Buck, yeah. because it means that we have eight months to get our planning done. Yeah, and we got to you know, we got to do it. Everybody's got to do it. <laughs> yes, we're you got to get your account and your attorney. And remember, the attorneys are slammed right now, so you got to get in line. Yeah, 
Speak- Ask the God to get in line. Same with evaluation, guys, because everything's going to require evaluation. Actually, I think the next big growth industry, from my standpoint, would be valuations. Okay, so so explain that because you were talking about how they're trying to tax things that aren't even sold. Right. So, so for that, example, yeah. if, if you transferred, let's say next year you decide I'm going to transfer my business to my kids, that's a taxable transaction under this proposal. So how do you figure out what the tax is? So you have to come up with a valuation. But there's no, but there's no, I guess one of the things I was worried when you said uh, taxing things that aren't sold is like in Israel, I think. So one of the, my Israeli investors was saying that they actually, they essentially look at the value of a house or whatever uh, every year and they just tax you regardless game. of whether you sell or not. They're just doing a, a you know, essentially a wealth tax. But there's right. no. They, they have not proposed that. Okay. I've not seen that. I'm not saying it's not buried in there somewhere, but I did not see that they have proposed a tax on unrealized gains until you actually make some kind of a transfer. The last uh, thing I got to ask, and I don't know if you saw anything in there, what about various types of changes to basis after death, you know, resetting a basis, those types of things. I know those were things that they were talking about. That's part of the capital gains proposal. Part of the capital gains proposal is that um, when you die, all your property is valued and you pay capital gains tax Mm. over a million dollars. You pay capital gains taxes if you'd sold it. Yeah. So there's a lot of reason in this. If you think about kind of the way things are headed and obviously neither you nor me are, are attorneys is that it starts to become more and more important for people who used to not necessarily think about, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, estate tax uh, issues right. and transferring uh, their their wealth out of their estates into trusts. That becomes a lot more relevant now, doesn't it? This year it does, but yeah. after this year it would be taxable. So it really puts a lot of pressure on getting that planning done right now. Right, right, hundred percent. Okay. Well, that's a great way to uh, start the day here, Tom. Uh, you know, we set these things up in the morning. and Oh, um, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> just, try, just trying to brighten your day and uh, all of us in your day, Buck, is yeah. to talk about these proposals. No, you're right, though, that, you know, there there is a lot of pressure against this. Uh, and, and we hear more and more of it. Uh, Jamie Dimon came out. Um, has come out pretty strong against uh, these tax increases. Uh, you're seeing more and more pushback on the on the tax increases. And the reality is, so let me give you a simple example, Buck. If you follow these proposals and the way they're set up right now, let's say that you had a founder share of a tech startup in California. Mm-hmm. And let's say it by the time you died, you know, uh, 30 years later, it's worth $100 million. Okay, take a wild guess under these proposals, how much your decedents, your heirs, would get to keep of that $100 million? Well, how much did you put in to start? Zero. Zero. $100 million. Well, it would be half, maybe? No, you, your heirs get to keep $2 million. $98 million goes to the federal government and oh. the state government. That would be the estate. That's 98% between the capital gains tax, the estate tax, and the California tax, 98% would go to the government. You'd get to keep $2 million. What was the estate tax limitation change? Uh, was it down Did not change. No. So in other words, you have a capital gains tax and an estate tax. So the capital gains tax appears to be on top of the estate tax 
which is why now you've got a 45% estate tax and a 45% capital gains tax. Actually, there wasn't a change in this proposal down to the three and a half million, but that was the original proposal was down to three and a half and that 98 million, that $2 million is based on bringing it down three and a half. We haven't seen that. So you would get to keep a little bit more than $2 million if they leave it at the $23 million, $24 million range. But remember, under this proposal, you're paying both estate tax and capital gains tax, not one or the other. What I would just say this much is that uh, I think you have to react as if some of this is going to happen based on, you know, the end of the year. I think planning for most people who are active investors, accredited investors, makes a lot of sense to start doing now. It may sound crazy. You're 40 years old and you have a little, you know, little kids, but start talking about ways to, you know, transfer wealth now because you don't want to wait until you're worth $40 million and then start thinking about it. And then the one bright thing in all of this is the pendulum always kind of moves back and forth. And it does. And presuming that there is, you know, some, you know, in the future, there's there's government that comes in that is not, I mean, gosh, we thought this was going to be a moderate government. It doesn't end up being a moderate government at all, you know. Not at all. But uh, there will be, at some point, some pendulum. So, you know, I guess uh, those are lots of reasons to think about, you know, uh, over time that you may not be as screwed as it sounds. But in the meantime, I think, you know, acting on some of these things that uh, Tom is talking about now, even with all this, all of the bad news, a lot of it, you know, if you have somebody like Tom, you can potentially still plan around it. I mean, you can still, you know, mitigate how badly it hurts you. That example that Tom gave with regards to, you know, a hundred million bucks and you get your kids get to keep two million. Well, there's some fairly straightforward planning things that you can do with, you know, people like Tom and state and asset protection attorneys that can make that a completely different story for your heirs. Right, Tom? Uh, if you act now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you say, the good news is that with good planning, there are always opportunities. I mean, this, yeah. you know, I'm not quaking in my boots here because uh, I'm looking at, um, okay, so how do we shift? How do we shift? But remember, I, I would caution, hope is not a strategy, yeah. right? So we can't hope that in, in, uh, in four years we have a, uh, you know, the Republicans control everything, right? Maybe, but maybe they won't. And so, you know, we do need to plan, I think, as if some of this at least is going to happen. I think there are some things that will likely happen. I think they'll increase the corporate tax rate. They'll probably not 28%. I think they will increase the top marginal rate up to 39.6%. Um, I think some of those things are just going to happen. Will 1031s go away? I certainly hope that cooler minds prevail on that. I think that would decimate the real estate market. You know, will capital gains be taxed at 44% plus another 13% in California? So almost 60%. I hope not. I truly hope that cooler minds prevail on that. But at the same time, we do have an opportunity right now. And if you don't take that opportunity to plan right now, then shame on you. You know, you're, you're here listening to this podcast, which is great. Thank you for doing this, Buck, um, getting this in- information out because we've got a window. Yep. Why would you not take advantage of that window? We've got an eight-month window to do something. And guess what? You can't start in December because it's going to be too late. Tom, along that lines, for people who don't have good professionals, 
you know, remind us what WealthAbility is and, you know, how we can get in touch with WealthAbility. So fundamentally, WealthAbility is a system for reducing taxes and building wealth. That's what WealthAbility is. Um, and it's a very engaged system. As you know, Buck, you're very involved, you know, you get very involved as the, as the client in the whole process. It's not turn it over to somebody. This is being involved in the process, making decisions, um, getting guidance, making those decisions. The good news is we have 40 CPA firms in the U.S. and Canada that I train on literally a weekly basis and uh, we are, we're ready for this. So we're all ready to handle this. We have the um, capacity to take it on. We have the people who are trained to take it on. And uh, I, I think this is a, a window of opportunity. It's just, a, just go to wealthability.com and tell them that uh, you came from uh, uh, Buck Joffrey and the Wealth Formula, and we will take care of you. And that's really important too, folks, just so you know, you know I, I've worked with Tom's group a fair amount and, and you know, we have a certain type of, of, of client and Tom knows well, they tend to come in pretty well educated because of podcasts like these and ideas like these. So, it's good to let them know where you're coming from so they can match you up with the appropriate personalities uh, sure. to, you know, that, that'll fit because that's a really big part of it is you really have to be a good fit with your tax professional. Might also suggest while you're at it, you know, to contact guys like Doug Lodmel for asset protection and he'll tell you who to go to for estate planning in your particular yep. state because that's all part of it. And, um, you know, they, they all got to work together because that's, uh, if they don't, then you're going to have, you know, pieces everywhere and, no one's going to know what's going yeah, you, on. You don't. You don't want the accountant blaming the attorney and the attorney blaming yeah, the account. You yeah. want to make sure that they're talking together. We talk to Doug all the time. Yeah, uh, Doug. I've actually known Doug for close to twenty years. Yeah, and uh, we're we're very good friends, and we do talk. In fact, I was just shooting him an email this morning. So yeah. uh, we talk on a regular basis, and we we love Doug, and he does a great job in the asset protection side. And plus, he by the way, he has a network of attorneys, and yeah. he will you know he'll help us even find an estate planning attorney in your neck of the woods. Yep, absolutely. So again, it is wealthability.com. And Tom, I want to thank you again for joining us on Wealth Formula Podcast. And hopefully, you know, when we get some resolution in a couple months or three or four months, hopefully when we know which way this actually is going to go and which way it lands, we'd love to have you back again. Happy to do it. Anytime, Buck. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that. And again, don't panic quite yet. I think there is, uh, you know, a pretty good opportunity for some of the moderates in Congress to block some of the more heinous things like the massive taxation increase on capital gains, which I just don't understand that one because, boy, it sure does seem like it would affect, you know, a lot of families and retirees and all that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But keeping my fingers crossed. In the meantime, find yourself a good tax advisor. I highly recommend Tom's group, WealthAbility. Go to WealthAbility.com. Make sure you let them know that you're a Wealth Formula listener. It does make a difference because they know that you're going to know stuff to begin with, so they're going to hook you up with people who are going to communicate better, who know that they have to be on their toes when they're talking to somebody like you. So anyway, check that out, wealthability.com. I will keep you up to date as much as I can uh, as I hear anything more on the tax side of things. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, 
consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.